Holy Word to Jeremiah chapter 11. Jeremiah chapter 11. I'll be reading verses 11, uh, verse, verses 1 through 17. Chapter 11, verses 1 through 17. The word that came to Jeremiah from Yahweh. Hear the words of this covenant and speak to the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. You shall say to them, Thus says Yahweh, the God of Israel, Cursed be the man who does not hear the words of this covenant that I commanded your fathers when I brought them out of the land of Egypt from the iron furnace, saying, Listen to my voice and do all that I command you. So shall you be my people, and I will be your God. That I may confirm the oath that I swore to your fathers to give them a land flowing with milk and honey as at this day. Then I answered, So be it, Yahweh. And Yahweh said to me, Proclaim all the words, all these words in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. Hear the words of this covenant and do them. For I solemnly warned your fathers when I brought them up out of the land of Egypt, warning them persistently, even to this day, saying, Obey my voice. Yet they did not obey my voice or incline their ear, but everyone walked in the stubbornness of his own evil heart. Therefore I brought upon them all the words of this covenant which I commanded them to do, but they did not. And Yahweh said to me, a conspiracy exists among the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. They have turned back to the iniquities of their forefathers who refused to hear my words. They've gone after other gods to serve them. The house of Israel and the house of Judah have broken my covenant that I made with their fathers. Therefore, thus says Yahweh, Behold, I am bringing disaster upon them that they cannot escape. That they cry to me, I will not listen to them. Then the cities of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem will go and cry to the gods to whom they make offerings, but they cannot save them in, their time, in the time of their trouble. For your gods have become as many as your cities, O Judah, and as many as the streets of Jerusalem are the altars you have set up to shame, altars to make offerings to Baal. Therefore, do not pray for this people or lift up a cry or prayer on their behalf, for I will not listen when they call to me in the time of their trouble. What right has my beloved in my house when she has done many vile deeds? Can even sacrificial flesh avert your doom? Can you then exalt? Yahweh once called you a green olive tree, beautiful with good fruit. But with the roar of a great tempest, he will set fire to it, and its branches will be consumed. Yahweh of hosts, who planted you, has decreed disaster against you because of the evil that the house of Israel and the house of Judah have done, provoking me to anger by making offerings to Baal. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Holy Father, may your truth be preached, your word be honored, 
And grant grace by your Spirit that we may hear your words and respond accordingly. Leave us not to ourselves. Have mercy. And may your Spirit teach us these things now. In Christ's name, Amen. Here we have a tale of words unheard. Israel fails to hear the words of this covenant. Yahweh refuses to hear their cries as they come under its curse. Though they have ignored Yahweh's covenant words, the words of the covenant will prove inescapable. Whereas their cries will prove ineffectual. Our text takes us through Israel's covenant history beginning with the foundation, the giving of the covenant at Sinai in verses 1 through 5. And then verses 6 through 8 go on to tell us of her subsequent disobedience to the covenant and the punishments that came upon them. And then finally, the last portion, verses 9 through 17, will lay out Judah's present rebellion and further judgment according to the terms of the covenant. And so our text opens with a command for Jeremiah to hear and speak the words of this covenant. And which covenant's in view? Scholars debate whether or not this is the covenant that was mediated through Moses at Sinai, or the covenant mediated uh, more recently through Josiah. You remember our study of this book opened up learning, Jeremiah 1.1, that Jeremiah began his four-decade-long ministry as a prophet during the 13th year of King Josiah. Whenever we go to 2 Chronicles 34, we see that Josiah, in his 18th year, well, it was discovered that the book of the law was discovered in the temple. They brought this before Josiah and read it. And we see that when he heard these words... He tore his clothes, and he commanded his men, go inquire of Yahweh for me, for those who are left in Israel and in Judah concerning the words of the book that has been found. For great is the wrath of Yahweh that is poured out on us because our fathers have not kept the word of Yahweh to do according to all that is written in this book. This book was very likely Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy doesn't just simply recall the covenant, it's written as a covenant document. Upon receiving word that Yahweh would not destroy Israel, Judah, during his reign, Josiah called the people, assembled them for a covenant renewal. And it's peculiar how whenever he does so, that book of the law is referred to now. Second Chronicles 34, 29-31. Then the king sent and gathered together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. And the king went up to the house of Yahweh and with all the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and the priests and the Levites, all the people, both great and small. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the house of Yahweh. 
And the king stood in his place and made a covenant before Yahweh to walk after Yahweh and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to perform the words of the covenant that were written in this book. It's clear there that Josiah is not making a new covenant. He's calling for them to renew covenant. And then further than that, Deuteronomy itself is such a covenant renewal. It's the second generation coming out of that out of the wilderness, that generation that will come into the promised land that is renewing covenant at that time. Deuteronomy is recalling the original giving of the covenant at Sinai, that foundational instance. As we move along in our text, it will be clear that's what Jeremiah is recalling as well, pointing us back to that generation that was brought out of Egypt to receive the covenant at Sinai. But what all this recent history does is help you to understand just how loaded the words are. Hear and speak the words of this covenant. Because these are words that have only recently been dusted off. And that are now being buried afresh intentionally by the people. Deuteronomy 31, 9 through 13, Moses gives a copy of the law. Deuteronomy in particular, I think again, the book of the covenant, it said. He gives them a copy that is to be read every seven years during the year of Jubilee at the Feast of Booths. Every seven years, the year of Jubilee, those who have sold themselves into slavery are to be sent out liberally by their masters, and as they are freed, sent out liberally, then the book of the law of the covenant is read to the nation. It's a miniature exodus, rehearsal of it all over again, you see, as they come out free to come under God's rule. Additionally, the book of the covenant, Deuteronomy, the king was instructed, Deuteronomy 17, 18 through 20, to write his own copy to read all the days of his life. So you see, it's these words, the words of the covenant, it's these words, words that were meant to be remembered that have been ignored, that Jeremiah is being called to hear and speak. Not allowing the dust to settle on them again. What are the words of this covenant? Verses 3 through 5 begins, Cursed be the man who does not hear the words of this covenant. The covenant, chiefly, just as far as volume, consisted of commands. And blessing should those commands be kept, curses should they be violated. And it's the curse aspect that's brought to the fore here. Cursed be every man who does not hear the words of this covenant covenant. So Jeremiah is to hear and speak, and he's to tell them to themselves hear. They are to hear what he's heard and is now speaking. And that the Mosaic covenant's clearly in view, you see in verse 4, the covenant, which covenant? The covenant that I commanded your fathers when I brought them out of the land of Egypt from the iron furnace. He commanded this covenant. It wasn't optional. It didn't require their consent. 
Israel's is Yahweh's, not simply by creation to deal with as He pleases. There are further His by redemption. When Yahweh gives His ten words from the fire, the ten commandments, when He gives them those ten words, which are essentially their covenant vows to their covenant Lord, when He gives them to them, He prefaces them in this way, I am Yahweh your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. God was not asking them, would you say I do if I propose? It wasn't a proposal at all. It was a proclamation. I am Yahweh your God. You shall. The people do say I do, but their I do is an obedience to His you shall. Because if they do not, cursed be the man who does not hear the words of this covenant. Well, how did God command this covenant? Verses 4 and 5, He did so saying, Listen to my voice and do all that I command. So Jeremiah is to hear and speak the words of this covenant. And the words of this covenant came to them in this way. Listen and do. Jeremiah, hear, speak. He's telling Judah, listen and do. He's modeling what covenant faithfulness means as he's speaking the covenant. This is at the core of what covenant relationship means. Listening and doing. It's that simple. This isn't foundational to the covenant insofar as your listening and doing. That's not what creates the covenant. Unless we're talking about the listening and doing of our Lord. Jesus' listening and doing are foundational to the covenant that we stand in with God. But your listening and doing are of the essence of what it means to relate to God covenantally. Hear and do. And the result is of hearing and doing is that they enjoy covenant relationship with God. They are His people. He is their God, or as Jeremiah put it in chapter 10 and verse 16, He is their portion, and they are His inheritance. Now listen to how these aspects of, of the covenant are teased out in two instances in the law. First Leviticus 26, 3-4, Yahweh says, If you walk in My statutes and observe My commandments and do them, then I will give you your rains in their season and the land shall yield its increase and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. And, and many more promises follow, climaxing with these. I will make my dwelling among you and my soul shall not abhor you. I will walk among you and will be your God and you shall be my people. And then follows this curse. But if you will not listen to me and will not do all these commandments, if you spurn my statutes and if your soul abhors my rules so that you will not do all my commandments but break my covenant, then I will do this to you. I will visit you with panic, with wasting disease and fever that consume the eyes and make the heart ache. And you shall sow your seed in vain for your enemies shall eat it. If they will not do the covenant... Rest assured, God most certainly will 
in bringing his curses upon you for your disobedience. Likewise, in Deuteronomy 29.9, Moses reminds them, Therefore, keep the words of this covenant and do them, that you may prosper in all that you do. Moses goes on to address them, telling them that the reason they're standing there that day is so that you may enter into the sworn covenant of Yahweh your God, which Yahweh your God is making with you today, that He may establish you today as His people, that He may be your God, as He promised you, as He swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. It's not with you alone that I'm making this sworn covenant, but with whoever is standing here with us today before Yahweh our God, and with whoever is not with us here today. So the purpose of this covenant was so that Yahweh might confirm His oath that He made to their fathers, that He swore to them to give them this land flowing with milk and honey, this promise to the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. All of this was an anticipation of redemption full and complete. God's plan to undo the curse, His people in His place under His rule, blessed. So do not think, when you read these words, there's a lot of dust on them today. Don't think you can bury a passage like this as irrelevant to you who stand under the new covenant. The Mosaic covenant was rooted in grace towards the purpose of, redemption, of, of blessing. Yes, it's not sufficient in and of itself, but it anticipates that which is. Yes, it's a shadow, but it's a shadow cast by the sun. God, now in Christ, redeems a people for the purpose of entering into covenant relationship with Him where they hear His voice and they follow Him observing all that He's commanded. And He's promised them they shall inherit the earth and be blessed forevermore. You don't have less of everything involved here. You have more. This is the shadow, and you have the dawn of the new day of new creation. And to the words of the covenant, Yahweh responds, uh, excuse me, Jeremiah responds, so be it, Yahweh. Jeremiah's four-word response, as you have it in the ESV, is simply two words in the Hebrew. And they're not words that need to be translated. You all know this much Hebrew. His response is, Amen, Yahweh. Amen, Yahweh. This is a response both of affirmation, that's true, and submission to God's truth. What is Jeremiah, though, affirming and submitting to? Is it God's command upon him to hear and speak the words of the covenant, or is it the words of the covenant themselves? And the answer is clearly, I think, both. Amen, Yahweh, to, to all your words, or to, to answer with the words of Christ. Which one is it? Verily, verily. Amen, amen. Truly, truly. But more important than this is recognizing the significance of Jeremiah's response. Amen, Yahweh. In Deuteronomy 27, Moses outlines a ceremony, a covenant ceremony that's to take place once Israel crosses the Jordan. 
Six tribes are to be set on one mountain and six other tribes are to be set on an opposite mountain. And 12 curses are then to be spoken by the Levites to these 12 tribes. And all the people are instructed to respond after the pronouncement of each one of those curses, Amen. So the first curse, Cursed be the man who makes a carved image or cast metal image, an abomination to Yahweh, a thing made by the hands of a craftsman and sets it up in secret. And this instruction follows all twelve curses. And all the people shall answer and say, Amen. This is the last curse. Cursed be anyone who does not confirm the words of this law by doing them. And all the people shall say, Amen. The Amen of their mouth was to be matched by the Amen of their lives. Whenever Yahweh speaks, this should be our response. Amen. Yahweh. An affirmation both of submission, affirmation and submission. Jeremiah models for us what it means to respond appropriately to God's covenant words. Once again then, we come to verse 6. Jeremiah is commanded to proclaim all these words and it's clear as we proceed that these again are words of the covenant. Jeremiah is to call on the people, verse 6, to hear and do the words of this covenant. The kind of hearing that counts is doing and the kind of doing that counts is hearing. There are some people who do what God commands, but they don't do it because God has commanded. It doesn't count. The kind of hearing that counts is doing, and the kind of doing that counts is hearing. There are people who do, but they don't do because they've heard. And there are people who hear, but they don't do. And both alike are in rebellion against our Lord. Whereas the prior section, the foundation... The foundation Covenant giving was recalled. In this section now, their subsequent history of covenant failure is laid out. God solemnly warned them, verse 7, when He brought them out of the land of Egypt, and He persistently warned them every day since, telling them to obey His voice. He persistently Warns them, this is the function of the prophet. Too often when we think of the Old Testament prophets, we think they're fortune tellers, foretellers. They see the future and they tell us. Although there are instances where the prophets are telling us the future, this is secondary. This is submissive to the singular focus of the prophets. And that is to act as God's covenant prosecutors. Showing how Israel has violated the, the terms of the covenant and therefore telling them what the future will be. And it wasn't any shocker because they're telling them exactly what God had outlined in His Word. The curse to come upon them for disobedience. You can see this function in Jeremiah 7, 24-26. They did not obey or incline their ear but walked in their own counsels in the stubbornness of their evil hearts and went backward and not forward. From the day that your fathers came out of the land of Egypt to this day, I have persistently sent all my servants, the prophets, to them. 
day after day, yet they did not listen to me or incline their ear, but stiffened their neck. They did worse than their fathers. God warns them again and again. They do not heed His voice. They don't walk in His ways. They walk in the stubbornness of their own hearts. They walk in their own ways. Remember how Jesus alludes to this in the parable of the tenants? The master of the vineyard is ready to receive his fruits and he sends servants to collect them and they kill him. So he sends more servants and they kill them. More and they kill them. And and in Mark's account, there's this word, and so with many others, some they beat, some they killed. He had still one other, a beloved son. And they did likewise to him. Again and again, God warns, but He will not warn forever. He's long-suffering, but He is not forever suffering. Because they refuse to listen, He is bringing upon them all the words of this covenant, verse 8. The people break covenant, God keeps covenant. And so if you've read through First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, think of all the instances where people, God's people break covenant and the prophets that He sends to them again and again to call them back to covenant faithfulness, warning them of the curses that will come upon them if they fail to hear the words of the covenant. That's the history that is being recalled here. The reasoning that's being laid out by Jeremiah is this. God warned them concerning the curses of the covenant. They persisted in disobedience and they were punished. Therefore, you hear the words of this covenant, hear them. Heed this warning. If you think, whew, I'm glad I'm not under the old covenant, Because that would be bad news for me and my idolatry is basically what you're getting at. You should be grateful you're not under the old covenant, but not that kind of grateful. That isn't being grateful, that's being an ingrate. If you have heard the new covenant and you think because of Christ that now you have some kind of liberty to sin at leisure... And I don't think you've ever heard the new covenant. If you think that such dark warnings and curses have no application to you because the sun has risen, listen to the warnings given by the author of Hebrews. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable... And every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord and attested to us by those who heard. And he later goes on to issue a warning from the Old Covenant and apply it to them, saying, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. 
Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. If you don't listen, you have no part in the new covenant. Because what the new covenant does is circumcise your heart so that you can hear and listen. This is the way the new covenant is spoken in Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. Behold, the days are coming, declares Yahweh, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares Yahweh. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares Yahweh. I will put my law within them. And I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God. And they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, Know Yahweh! For they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares Yahweh. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Our hearing and our doing is rooted in the covenant grace of our Lord that comes by the redemption of the blood of the Lamb. And this is why Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. John 14. This is why He says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And it's to such that this is true. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. Don't take comfort that the promises of eternal blessedness in the new covenant are yours if you know nothing of the listening that the new covenant speaks of, the circumcised heart. If you don't hear the shepherd's voice and follow him. So while the first portion of our text recalls the covenant foundation, the second portion, the subsequent covenant infidelity, the final portion considers the present. And there is a conspiracy among the men of Judah, verse 9. The inhabitants are conspiring. In what way? To rebel against their covenant Lord. Psalm 2 speaks of such a conspiracy, but there it's the pagan nations that are in view. So let me reword it just a bit to make it fit this situation. Why do the men of Judah and the inhabitants of, the Jerus of Jerusalem plot in vain? Her kings set themselves and the prophets and priests take counsel together against Yahweh and His anointed saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. That is what Judah is conspiring to do, to rebel against their covenant Lord. There are three aspects of her conspiracy, verse 10. First, they turn back to the iniquity of their fathers who refused to hear His words. Likely, I think this is shortly after Josiah's reforms that Josiah speaks this word. 
And so the dogs are quickly returning to their vomit. Josiah has led them in covenant renewal, and here they are returning to the ways of their forefathers so quickly. Second, they go after other gods to serve them. They refuse to hear the God who speaks. Instead, they serve gods who are mute. And do not we all like this? We like gods that we can put words in their mouth rather than gods that speak. We like the gods we are God of rather than a God that is God over us. We like our gods to be mute and then imagine what they say. Third, verse 10, again, they've broken covenant. And so two consequences follow in verse 11. First, inescapable disaster will come upon them. And just how inescapable this disaster is is clear by the second consequence. Verse 11, though they cry to him, he will not listen. When disaster comes upon you by God, your only hope against that disaster is God. And so if he will not listen, what hope do you have? God meets their deafness with deafness. They do not hear his commands. He refuses to hear their cries. Who among us has not been so arrogant that we totally ignore God's words, all the while expecting Him to pay perfect attention to our own? Have we not, even in the midst of enjoying our idols, when those idols are threatened, cry out to Him for deliverance? really so that we can get back to our idolatry. Accusing Him of being unloving if He will not hear our cries. As a result, the people are left to go and cry to their own gods, verse 12. Gods that have become as numerous as their cities, with altars to them as numerous as the streets in Jerusalem. But this relationship is found to be rather one-sided. They offer up sacrifices, but their gods do not save. Our gods take, but they cannot deliver. They don't give. Yahweh is the I am. He's the fountain of all. Our idols are black holes. Yahweh is the fountain of eternal life. And our idols are self-made cisterns that can hold no water. So whenever God resolves to bring disaster... Where can one find refuge? When Yahweh resolves to bring famine, where could one find bread? When Yahweh shuts his ears, to whom can one cry? Their destruction is inescapable. And because this is so, for the second time up to this point in our study of Jeremiah, he's commanded, don't pray for them. He's not to pray for them because God will not hear their own cries. Then the last three verses of our text emphasize the inescapable nature of the disaster Yahweh is going to bring upon them. Nothing that Judah has, nothing that Judah does, nothing that Judah was will avert this disaster. First, Yahweh asks, what right has my beloved in my house when she has done many vile deeds? You remember earlier the false prophets and priests tried to pacify the people saying, the temple of Yahweh, the temple of Yahweh, the temple of Yahweh, as if the sheer presence of the temple meant that destruction couldn't possibly come against her. But nothing that Judah has will prevent this disaster. 
Whenever the term beloved used, is used here, it recalls that whore imagery that was so prominent early in Jeremiah. And so you see, he's saying, what, what right does she have to my house whenever she's committed such lewd acts? Jeremiah 3.1. If a man divorces his wife and she goes from him and becomes another man's wife, will he return to her? Would not that land be greatly polluted? You have played the whore with many lovers, and would you return to me, declares Yahweh. So Judah's presumptuous, playing about the temple after she's committed spiritual adultery with the idols, does not divert disaster, it hastens it on. A second Yahweh asks, can even sacrificial flesh avert your doom? Can you then exult? God provided the sacrifices because He knew His people would sin, not so that they could sin. Whenever Israel, Judah, offers up these sacrifices, now it's not as obedience, it's for disobedience. As if she's gained some kind of credit to then go spend at the sin store. This is why God earlier told her, whenever you offer up your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, eat them both. There were some sacrifices they could eat from and others that were to be offered up wholly to God. He says, eat them both because they're not doing anything for you otherwise. And it's there that he says, in the day that I brought them out, this is Jeremiah 7, out of the land of Egypt, I did not speak to your fathers or command them concerning burnt offerings and sacrifices, but this command I gave them, obey my voice and I will be your God and you shall be my people. Judah's sacrifices didn't assuage God's wrath, they kindled it. And then third, though Yahweh once called her a green olive tree, beautiful and with good fruit, he will set fire to it and consume it, verse 16. Past blessings are no assurance against future curses when you're presently conspiring against Yahweh and His truth. This is the tale of words unheard. Israel failed to hear the words of the covenant. Yahweh's Yahweh refuses to hear their cries under its curse. And though they ignored the words of the covenant, these words will prove inescapable, whereas their cries are ineffectual. Remember our previous section in chapter 10, verses 23 through 25, it ends with Jeremiah praying for the nation, and now in this section he's commanded not to pray for her. How do we relieve this tension? If you remember in chapter 10, Jeremiah was praying as every man in Judah should. And whenever he does so, he doesn't pray for immunity. He prays, correct me, but not in anger, lest I be consumed. Though Judah has forsaken covenant, God will not. And this means not only inescapable destruction, it means inevitable blessing. The promise of the new covenant is as old as the old. Deuteronomy 31. 
when all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I've set before you, and you call them to mind among all the nations where Yahweh your God has driven you, and return to Yahweh your God and your children and obey His voice and all that I command you with all your heart and with all your soul, then Yahweh your God will restore your fortunes and have mercy on you, and He will gather you again from all the peoples where Yahweh has scattered you. If you are outcast in the uttermost parts of the heaven, from there Yahweh your God will gather you, and from there He will take you. And Yahweh your God will bring you into the land that your fathers possessed, that you may possess it. And He will make you more prosperous and numerous than your fathers. And Yahweh your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring, so that you will love Yahweh your God with all your heart and with all your soul, that you may live. And Yahweh your God will put all these curses on your foes and your enemies who persecuted you. And you shall again obey the voice of Yahweh and keep all His commandments that I command you today. Yahweh your God will make you abundantly prosperous in all the work of your hand and the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your cattle and the fruit of your ground. For Yahweh will again take delight in prospering you as He took delight in your fathers when you obey the voice of Yahweh your God to keep His commandments and His statutes that are written in the book of the law. When you turn to Yahweh your God with all your heart and with all your soul. But the question is, how can God be so merciful to take covenant rebels and change them so that they love and obey and hear His voice? And the answer is that Jesus first heard and did all the words of this covenant. Jesus obeyed to be our righteousness. And He suffered the curse for all of our deafness. Jesus was forsaken Cursed in our place because we did not listen or obey. He said, I can do nothing of my own. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me, John 5.30. Jesus said, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me, John 6.38. Jesus said, I do as the Father has commanded me. So that the world may know that I love the Father, John 14, 31. We read that the crowds were astonished at Jesus' speaking because no one ever spoke as He did. Let us also be astonished at His listening because no one ever listened as He did. We're told that they were astounded at His teaching because no one ever spoke with such authority. Let's be astounded at His listening because no one ever listened under such authority as our Lord did. He did this for us in our place. He perfectly spoke because He perfectly heard. John 10, 5 unfolds how Psalm 40 speaks of Christ, saying, Consequently, when Christ came into the world, He said, now the quotation from Psalm 40, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. Listen to how Psalm 40 and verse 6 is strictly translated from the Hebrew. In sacrifices and offering, you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. The reason Jesus received a body was so that as a man, he might have an open ear and hear and do all the words of the covenant for us 
in our place. Christ heard and obeyed so that we might be blessed. And for all of our failure to listen and disobedience, He was cursed. Sinner, listen to the Word of God, of the crucified and reigning Christ. Repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. If you do not hear these words, know this, there is salvation in no other name than that name that is above all names, Jesus Christ. It matters not what you hear if you do not hear this. Christ is Lord. And He was pierced for sinners. Believe on Him. And there is refuge from the wrath of God. Believe not. And disaster is inescapable. And all your cries otherwise, if they be not pleading the blood of Christ, are ineffectual. Let's pray. Father, in the name of our Lord and for the glory of His name, grant any sinners here new birth, a circumcision of the heart so that they would hear and believe. Father, I pray we here today have heard Your words and that we would leave to speak them. In the name of Christ, Amen.